I'm a grind and What's up everybody, my name is Sid, and I've teamed up with the big homie Rage to bring y'all something new, something we like to call Beyond the Scoreboard. Y'all be sure to review, rate, and subscribe. Let's get to it. Welcome back to Beyond the Scoreboard. As always, y'all know me, I'm Sid. What's going on, Reg? Sid, my boy, everything's good, man. How about yourself? Dealing with this little snow that us we ain't used to uh, down south, but we we done made it through it, bruh. I saw that. I saw that, man. Glad everybody's well. Um. So today, we for once don't really have any New Orleans Saints uh, talk to force mm-hmm. down y'all throats. So we gonna go ahead and look at another team as they prepare for their off season and um, what they can do to put themselves in a better situation for the 2021 season, uh, the team we're going to tackle today is the New England Patriots. Um, of course, last offseason fell apart for them, starting with Tom Brady uh, leaving or getting pushed out, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, and then they became the team with the highest amount of COVID opt-outs, right. which, of course, was something that we looked at last year and was like, yeah, that's really going to affect them going Forward, I think they ended up with a seven to nine record. Um, offensively, they were horrible last year. Ain't no way around it. Uh, right. Defensively, I think they still finished top ten. So, mm-hmm. um, what are the things you're looking at when you look at this New England Patriots team and saying, well, they need to do this in order to get back to being a playoff team next year? Uh, the first thing I would say is um, repairing the offensive line. Uh, I don't care who you have coming in at quarterback. If you can't give them time, then it's it's just not going to look right. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely start with uh, repairing the offensive line. Uh, They have uh, their starting guard, Joe Donnie, and uh, their starting center, David Andrews, who uh, set the hit free agent, uh, hit the the free market this offseason. So it starts there, bringing those guys back or getting someone uh, better in in their place. Uh, and from there, I think they can get the ball rolling. Of course, they need a quarterback. Uh, yeah. whether, like you said, whether Tom got pushed out or he chose to move on, whatever the case may have been, uh, it's hard to not only play quarterback, but to feel the pressure of filling Tom Brady's shoes. Because whoever they get, I mean, ultimately, that, that's what everybody's looking at. So uh, it, I will start with fixing the O-line, like you spoke on the defense we can kind of say overachieve last year after all the opouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know the year before they just played at a historic uh, rate, and that's with no pass rush. Uh, they still was was phenomenal, and uh, to me, they found the way to be somewhat successful. Uh, the secondary was still great this year, um, but they they wasn't as great as the year before. Yeah. So I, I would definitely go with uh, you know if you can improve defense, fine. But I think. Uh, Getting getting players back that's on the defensive side of the ball, that's they're going to be sound enough. So I will start with fixing the offensive line and then uh, addressing my quarterback situation. And we definitely agree that the biggest point, what the biggest mark for any team is always making sure that you're solid at your quarterback position. Uh, we'll talk about some options for them there in a minute. But um, like you say, the defense, honestly, they did overachieve. No one expected. And once again, this is hats off to Bill Belichick more than anything mm-hmm. of him being able to take whatever he's given on defense and make good out of it. Right. Like you say, they lost the heart of their defense and, and Dante Hightower uh, and they lost Patrick Chung, um, who are two who are two players who have been really good at their position, especially in New England. 
Um, and then that's not even counting the players that they ended up losing their free agency, uh, even before the COVID opt-outs. Uh, I agree with you offensively. you got to get David Andrews and, and Thune back into the house. Those are two guys who are also really good at their position. Right. If you keep them and not have to reshuffle your offensive line too much, that's going to uh, be really good for whoever you get uh, at quarterback uh, for next season. Um, they only lost one one offense. No, they lost two offensive linemen, but only one starter to COVID opt-outs, which was mm. Marcus Cannon, which mm. he's – I guess he's an average tackle uh, in today's league. Um, so you got to see how many of those guys are going to actually come back for next season. Uh, how many of them are going to be comfortable to step, you know, step back out into the field, seeing how the NFL was able to attack and address COVID last season. You hope it can only get better uh, from there. Right. So talking about their quarterback situation, um, at the end of the season, it seemed like they were pretty set on parting ways with Cam Newton after one year. Right. Um, so if they don't bring Cam Newton back, what do you think is their best solution at solving their quarterback problem? I would say um, taking a quarterback in the draft, whether you have to move up or, or do whatever. Uh, I don't think there's a quarterback right now that you can put in New England and, you know, the tables have turned New England right back to being somewhat dominant or or even productive on offense. Uh, there's not a quarterback there that's, you know, in this market, you know, of course, Sean Watson, but that's a, to me, I look at that like a, a long shot going there. But realistically, I can see them making a move for uh, for Derek Carr. That's something that you don't hear a lot about in the media. But to me, Derek Carr, he fits that pro style system. Uh, if New Orleans don't don't bring back James Winston, we touched on this a lot. I would have no problem with Derek Carr stepping into our quarterback situation. Uh, but I can definitely see him. Um, Heading to New England on some type of trade. If Jimmy G becomes uh, available, I can definitely see a situation where Jimmy G uh, follows um, himself, finds himself back back in New England. Um, but but I, I would really have to stop there. I really don't see Carson Wentz um, a, a achieving uh, over over there. Um, I definitely don't see Jameis Winston going to New England, anything like that. So I would definitely say with the cap space that they have, instead of overpaying, um, get a quarterback who they feel comfortable with and deal. Um, so I look at – I don't think the draft is where they find the next quarterback. Um, I think uh, I think we talked about this off air too. I think that that's their – that's the last case scenario. Right. You can't get anybody else to hell. We'll just draft one. Right. Um, I think the goal is to get a guy, like you said, Jimmy G, get him back in the building. Um, Carson Wentz, I could see that. I just don't see New England being that high on him exactly. to be able to trump a deal like Chicago exactly. or the Colts are offering. Exactly. Um, so we're looking at Jimmy G. We're looking at, um, like you said, I agree with you to the Sean Watson thing. It's something they can make happen, but once again, it's going to be a – even though he's worth a lot, he's still going to bring in way more than what he's even worth. And I don't exactly. see New England being a team to go out there and overpay that exactly. much for, for a quarterback. So Jimmy G is, uh, no, nah, I had one more quarterback in my mind. Who was it? Um, Oh, the Derek Carr. I, li I like the Derek Carr um, uh, that you put out there too. That would be another quarterback who could get dropped right in and really uh, take over and command an offense. But, 
the biggest thing about it, no matter who they bring in at quarterback, they have to address the skill positions around their quarterback too, oh, which is something they really going to have to funnel through this offseason. The good thing for them is right now it's looking like they're sitting at $60 million cap. Uh, like you say, some of that's going to get ate up by just bringing back the the center and guard, but then you still got a good amount to go out there and try to improve right. your, you know, well, improve your quarterback situation and then also try to bring in a receiver or a tight end um, that's also going to be able to make this offense, a running back, uh, to make this offense look better than what it did last season. And speaking of the running back position for them, they also uh, they can lose uh, James White as well. And I don't think that's something that. Oh they, yeah, is that yeah. not, not age or anything? Of yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. just throw, I'm just throwing it out there. You know, it can yeah, be even yeah. worse. You know. Yeah, and they need to they need to invest in a. Uh, they've been doing it by committee for a while. They need to invest yeah. in somebody who can really tote the rock for them three downs uh, yeah. going forward. Yeah. Uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say it's crazy that they were so successful for so long with not really having much at the skill positions, but it's like the NFL is has finally caught up with them and now they find themselves uh behind the A ball in the sense because they have not they they don't have a receiver nor a running back and you have an O line issues. Your old the the O lineman coach who who was great for them for many a years, he's retired. Uh so they definitely and you need a quarterback like you mentioned. So they definitely uh have the odds stacked against them uh this offseason. But luckily they do have cap space. Absolutely. All right, so moving on and looking at some other stuff around the NFL. Uh we talked about the releasing of JJ Watt last week and we discussed um the places we felt were probably the best landing spots for him. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> it seems like he's as expected, is getting a lot of attention. Yeah. I saw him tweet out earlier today that free agency is wild. <laughs> uh, so he's obviously getting a lot of calls that comes with, I'm sure, a lot of money and a lot of promises. Um, it looks, I, I've seen a lot about Pittsburgh, of course, to be able to play with his brothers, but mm-hmm. they're in a cap situation uh, that's not promising right now when it comes to money mm-hmm. uh, to be offering him. Uh, I see the Browns are major players right now in the J.J. Watt sweepstakes. Um, Tennessee is another team that I've seen has mm-hmm. made some type of a, <clears throat> a big push there. So what seems the most realistic to you at this point for J.J. Watt? Well, just backtracking just a little <clears throat> bit. When we first spoke, I told you that that's what I like was Tennessee last week because mm-hmm. if they can find a way to bring back Clowney and you add Watt, I mean, they made the playoffs two years in a row. Uh, you know what you're going to get from Derrick Henry. Um, I'm more than sure they can piece the puzzle together and find a way to be a little bit more success- successful with the addition of Watt. Uh, I have been hearing a lot and reading a lot about him to Cleveland. And to me, which makes all the sense in the world, uh, if you're looking at it from a football standpoint, mm-hmm. because we already know what we have in Miles Garrett, who I thought was the defensive player of the year prior to him uh, catching COVID. Uh, Sheldon Rankins, a high draft pick from the Jets, also over there. He's been playing phenomenal uh, since he stepped over there in Cleveland. Uh, he's at that D tackle position. So you get to add a guy like Watt to that. And they still have uh, uh, Vernon over there as well. So mm-hmm. if you can add Watt to that. I definitely like what you can do with all four of those guys. And then if an end goes out, you can bounce him outside primarily. Inside guy goes out, you can add him inside primarily. So I definitely like the flexibility of having Watt over there with that group. 
However, as a complete ball club, I'm not sure if that translates to more wins for Cleveland, if that makes sense. And the thing, so the thing about Cleveland is, once again, from top to bottom, they are a good football team. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, man, they lost Grant Delpit before the season even kicked off last year, so he never even touched the field for him. They dealt with injuries throughout their secondary all season long. Um, and then they lose Odell Beckham, you know, you know, halfway through the season, if it, if even it was halfway through the season. So when you look at those guys returning, in addition to adding a J.J. Watt to the opposite side of a Miles Garrett, I think that makes the world of difference uh, for that team. And I think that puts them where I felt like they should have been last year, and they were close to being last year anyway, but that puts them in the driver's seat in the AFC North. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that move uh, for J.J. Watt and for the Cleveland Browns. I definitely – and like I say, with Pittsburgh's cap situation being so horrid at this moment, mm-hmm. uh, depending on what they're able to do with Big Ben, which I heard comments from the GM earlier today that didn't seem real promising about <clears throat> him, about wanting him to stick around. Right. But if he did, looking at the cap situation, he'd have to do some restructuring of right. his deal. Um but right now, man, just looking at it, Cleveland definitely looks like uh, the best spot for him right now. Yeah, and see, I think – I'm not sure what Cleveland finished defensively this year, but let's just say for the sake of the argument, they finished 15th. Yeah. And let's say Watt turns them into top 10. They, mm-hmm. They're 10th. I'm just not sure – at the end of the day, I still feel like the pressure is going to be on Baker Mayfield. I'm not sold on him yet. So, therefore, that's why I don't feel like – this necessarily translate to some wins. Um, Baker Mayfield played great in the inner part of this season. Uh, It's kind of crazy when you say that they lost Odell Beckham and we count that as a loss. We already know how the story goes with Baker Mayfield when ODB is there versus when he's not. For some reason, it seemed like the offense have more success. Mm. Uh, So, you know, teams are going to see what Baker, what Cleveland did um, that allowed them to find success offensively, and they're going to take it away next year because they got tape on you now. And they, it wasn't like Baker was out there lighting teams up every single, you know, Sunday or whatnot. So I'm just still not sure about the J.J. Watt thing. I, I think it, it, it's a good fit. Don't get me wrong. Football sense is a good fit, but I still think Cleveland's success, you know, would ultimately be tied to Baker Mayfield. And I disagree just because their success on offense was the run game last year. Oh, it was Kareem, it was yeah. Kareem playing Nick Chubb yeah. <clears throat> going out there and being able to run the ball down your throat every week. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's going to change from this year to next season. I think that's, that's going to be the same case. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> that translates to being able to open more things up for Baker Mayfield, of course. And then if you have uh, Odell Beckham back on the field, um, regardless of if he's – Getting the targets or not, he's somebody you have to count for. He's somebody yeah. you always got to account for. But even if they go out there and they're what Tennessee has been these past few years, which is we're going to run the football down your throat. <clears throat> and now with J.J. Watt back and Grant Delpin and our secondary being healthy, you're not going to score that many points on us either. So mm-hmm. it's all, it comes down to Baker not losing the football game. Basically, he ain't got to win it for us. He just got to go out there and not lose it, lose it for us. And yeah, I think and that- they can go far like that. Yeah. And and that's the case for them right now, actually. Uh, we're going to run the ball and Baker don't lose it. And my thing is how much more effectively can Nick uh, Chubb and Hakeem Hunt be 
Like, it, what more can they do on a, on the run side games to to put Cleveland in a driving uh, a driving position uh, more than what they already has? I don't think they can go out. You can ask them to to do anything more than what they already give you. Absolutely not. But I'm looking at the opposite end. I'm saying the defense next year, if healthy, and then you add a JJ Watt, they're giving up way less more. They're giving up less points than they ever gave up this past season. Okay, yeah, I can see that. I can see. I wouldn't go say way more, but well, I, I not can way less, see. but less points. They're giving yeah, I, can, up. I can see that. I so it's see. less that they actually have to account for an offensive end. You're not yeah. getting into positions where, damn, okay, well now we got to get rid of the run game and we got to yeah. go out here and play for a shootout. Yeah, and it, I'm kind of caught in between. Just getting back to the question because you asked me about the best fit. I'm kind of mm-hmm. caught in between because Tennessee hasn't announced if they're bringing back Clown. He said he would love to rip. Yeah. Clown. But if they can bring back Clowney and then they can bring back Corey Davis, I love what Tennessee has. And I say J.J. Watt best fit is in Tennessee. But if everything stays how it's saying, how it is now with the current rosters, to me, Cleveland makes more sense. Yeah, and it's really splitting hairs there. Because like you say, Tennessee has a great defensive uh, line position Right now, as it stands, just like Cleveland does, either right. you're putting him on the opposite side of a Clowney or you're putting him on the opposite side of a Miles Garrett. Mm-hmm. For him, both of those situations work, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just about which team do you feel is better rounded out in order to really have success with. And and the only reason why I say Tennessee more is because I believe in their offense as a whole more than I believe in Cleveland. So I just want to throw that out there. It's not that I feel like Tennessee's defense is better. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. just feel like they'd be a better team overall. Which is interesting because I think I, I think I like Cleveland's team overall better than Tennessee's at this point. I got you. Um the the Carolina Panthers ended up cutting Kawan short yesterday. So um, they saved they saved a good amount. They saved about ten million dollars, but he's mm-hmm. definitely somebody who's still oh, um, a very effective defensive tackle. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what teams go after him and where he ends up landing because he's definitely going to be a difference maker for somebody's uh, defensive line going forward. Yeah. I just to touch on that. Um, I remember a couple years ago, he was considered one of the best D tackles in football. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's getting up to an age. I want to say he's about 32 now, but I think he still has at least a couple years left. Oh, in definitely. Him. Yeah. Um. And back to the Big Ben situation, because I was looking at the numbers of that uh, <clears throat> earlier today, whether he's with or not, whether he's in Pittsburgh or not in Pittsburgh, he's counting for $22 million towards their cap next year, whether he's there or not. So that's, defi- <clears throat> that's definitely something they're going to have to to figure out, because if he stays on the current deal that he's on and he is there, that's $41 million. Mm-hmm. So, like I say, that kind of makes it impossible for them to even yeah. consider bringing in the J.J. Watt until they figure out exactly what they can save and, you know, when it comes to Big Ben. Um, anything else NFL-wise you wanted to touch on? Mm-hmm. There hasn't been too much going on uh, this week that differed from last week. Uh, we're still looking at the Carson Wentz situation, trying to see where he's going to end up. Deshaun Watson and Houston seem to be at a standstill. Um, so I don't – there's not too much going on that wasn't, you know, last week when we got on here and talked about it. Um, so let's switch to the NBA. 
Uh, I want to say, was it yesterday or the day before? Uh, I, I want to say it was Monday. It came out that Andre Drummond uh, has started being involved heavily in trade talks. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it first got reported, it looked like all signs was he was headed to Toronto. And then that fell back and they was like, well, they're, you know, they're talking to all teams about it. And then shortly after, uh, Blake Griffin uh, ended up being in the same situation where they're talking to different teams. They're trying to get them up out of the building. Neither player is going to play for those teams anymore. Uh, they're not going to play <laughs> for the football again until they get traded. Um, <clears throat> so what do you see as the best landing spot? So let's start with, with Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond. So uh, it's interesting with, with, with Drummond uh, because he can definitely provide a defensive service. He can still rebound. He can still challenge a whole bunch of shots. And he could be a big down in the paint. So I would love to see him with the Nets. I would love to see him with the Nets. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if I had to pick another team besides the Nets, I would go Clippers to hold down, hold down the middle for them. However, neither one of those teams have anything to give up. Exactly. So, <laughs> so uh, like you said, more than likely it's going to be Toronto. I think another another team that I would like to see him go to, I'm not even sure if they're in the mix, but Charlotte. Every time I see Charlotte play to me, they just need a big that can rebound, challenge some guys in the paint, things of that nature. I would yeah. like to see him in Charlotte as well. I think that would be a nice a nice fit. But uh, I'm going to go Charlotte 1 and I'm going to go Toronto 2. Um, when I first when I first saw the reports, and of course it looked like all indications was that he was going to end up in Toronto, I loved it. I was like, yeah, Toronto yeah. is basically the perfect place for him, uh, for him right now. They are very small <laughs> when mm-hmm. it comes to what they have at their center position uh, and power forward, honestly, at this yep. point. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I'm sure they wouldn't uh, be too hurt if in the deal they had to let go of Kyle Lowry. Uh, I think his time is running out there, too. So if you can offload a Kyle Lowry and bring in an Andre Drummond, that will definitely help that team in in the East. Um, The second team for me would be the Boston Celtics. Uh, Mm. They're really hurting at center and power forward. Uh, They have brought in Tristan Thompson over the offseason. He hasn't done anything for them. Uh, Power forward, they're trying to figure out, but those guys are – just not honestly what they need. They don't really fit exactly what Boston's trying to do offensively or defensively. And like you say, Andre Drummond can be a defensive anchor and he's going to, I want to say last time I checked, he was leading the league in rebound and averaging about 16 a game at this Mm -hmm. point. So Mm -hmm. he's, he's uh, the best rebounder in the league and he's going to give you uh, protection at the rim. And most of those rebounds, uh, he gets a lot of offensive rebounds as well, which is going to turn into points for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that boosts the Boston into a position that I think that they've fallen out of uh, since the beginning of the season, which is the top three team in the East. Mm-hmm. Um, so those would be my two teams, Toronto and Boston. Gotcha. Um, in the <laughs> in this crazy scenario that he ends up getting bought out instead of traded, then I would definitely – be looking at the Brooklyn Nets, the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, to be honest with you. Lakers um, over Clippers? Um, Yeah, of course, Lakers over Clippers because <laughs> it's LeBron or, you know, the Clippers. Right. So <laughs> for most players, it's always going to be the Lakers in that case because the, the playing time is there at this mm-hmm. point too. So it's not a situation where he'd be looking at it and saying, well, well I'm going to get my minutes. It's, oh, okay, I'm going to get in here and I'm going to play and we're going to – 
be able to knock down Marcus Hall's minutes, and we're going to be able to keep Montrezl Harrell from being in situations where he's just being uh, outsized, honestly, uh, in the paint. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would love to see a buyout just so he can make his way to the Lakers, but I'm quite sure there are more than a handful of teams that are willing to take on that salary, especially because it's only for one year. Definitely. Um, so then we push to Blake Griffin. And mm-hmm. I want to start here. I want to start with a stat that I heard yesterday that is absurd. Mm-hmm. Blake Griffin has not dunked the basketball in the NBA game in two years. That can't be right. In two years. That can't be right. Somebody who, somebody who word association four was dunking just three, four, five years ago, hasn't dunked a basketball in the NBA game in two years. That is absurd. That is. That's crazy. That is absurd. Um, so obviously Blake Griffin isn't what he used to be. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's him just uh, regressing as a player, if it's him being in places he doesn't want to be in. Because uh, I know now, looking at him in Detroit, he's in a lesser role than he's ever been in. I don't even think he starts these mm-hmm. days, to be honest with you. Um, but he definitely still, I think, whoever gets him is getting him as a depth piece more than we need you to come in here, we need to count on you. Um, so what do you think would be the best spots for him? It's kind of crazy that you say that uh, about his regression because it, to me it's a lot of things. For one, is nobody setting him up. You know, I used to preach this when he played for the Clippers, and I don't know if you remember, but for, for a short period he was the face of the franchise, mm-hmm. which when they got CP3, that's kind of what caused that to spill over was because they both wanted to be the, you know, the, yeah. the face of the franchise. They wanted to be that identity. But he doesn't have anyone setting him up for easy buckets, man. Everything is a grind. And like you said, Probably don't even want to be there no uh, no more anyway yeah. in, uh, in Detroit. But for his, his best fit, you touched about this team, uh, about uh, Drummond, and I necessarily don't like Drummond uh, here, but I absolutely love Blake Griffin here, and that's Boston. I think uh, Boston has absolutely nothing at the center or power forward position. Um, so I think he can definitely get there, fit in, and he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to uh, be counted on, like you said. Yeah. But Boston is at their best when uh, when everybody's touching the ball offensively, like they is with with Al Harford, uh, you know who can who can shoot and scratch the D a little bit. To me, that's when they're at their best. And like you said, whether Blake start or not, he can still uh, contribute to the team uh, in that way. But yeah. I definitely like him in Boston. If not Boston, my second team would probably be Miami. Uh, Miami's struggling right now. Once again, that's a place he can go get minutes, play his game. He don't have to uh, change not to think about, you know, what he can do or what he can't yeah. do. He can be him, and he could fit in that role and probably be a spark that kind of helped them turn things around in Miami. So with the Boston thing, I disagree just because for Boston, I don't think they look at that and say that's an upgrade to anything that we already have. Um, yeah. Like I say, I don't, I don't think Blake is – Obviously, like we say, he's not what he used to be. He's not going to go out yeah. and get you 22 and 10 or whatever he was getting uh, previously. And obviously, he has no uh, he has no will to actually attack the rim or dunk anymore either. So that's that's not uh, helping anything. So I don't think that's a real improvement over the guys that Boston is already cycling through at power forward and center trying to figure it out. Um, I like... 
Miami one is interesting because I didn't think of them. I didn't think of them as a team um, where he would actually fit in, but I could definitely see the fit there. Um, I do like the Lakers right now, but once again, that's a buyout situation. But with the Anthony Davis injury that we're going to talk about in a minute um, and him being shelved for a few weeks or maybe a month or two months, uh, Blake Griffin is somebody who could come in and as a depth player, you keep you keep starting Kyle Kuzma at your power forward position. But then if you have Blake Griffin coming off uh, coming off your bench and playing some purposeful minutes, um, he has become a better passer over the past couple of years as well. Um, so that's a place where I could definitely see, see him fitting into. Um, Phoenix is another place that I can see him fitting into uh, easily. Um, Chris Paul down there? Yeah, with Chris Paul down there, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton in the middle, so he's not really counted on to be that defensive anchor, which we know he's not. He has that. Uh, he has somebody behind him that's going to always be able to protect the rim. Uh, I, w- I would like him there, too, as well. Uh I think it's going to be real hard for him to get moved. I think it's more likely we see him get bought out than Andre Drummond mm-hmm. at this point. Um, so I would look – if he hits the buyout market, then I see him ending up in uh, on a contender, whether it's the Lakers. I don't feel like he's a fit for the Clippers necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he hits the buy- But if he's hitting the buyout market, I could definitely see how Boston looks at him then and is saying, well, let's bring him in and see what he can give us. Um, but yeah, I definitely see him being a player who's more likely to to hit the buyout market than be traded. When Andre Drummond, I think for sure, like I say, there's some teams out there who's willing to take on that big salary in order to have him just for the rest of this season. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know why I find it so shocking that we disagree with the Boston for Blake Griffin because, like, I know you're saying like worst case scenario they can you see them looking there, but I have them looking there just as much as any other team. Now, just to throw this out there, the Lakers is a good landing spot for anybody who uh, <laughs> can possibly be traded, brought out, or whatever. I mean, it's not a player in the NBA that we can't stick on that Lakers team and be like, all right, you, you're you bringing something to the table now, whether AD is there or not. So I kind of always eliminate the Lakers for some reason right now because, it, it I mean, everything fits over there. True, but I would uh, me personally as a Lakers fan, I don't want Blake Griffin if AD not hurt. Like if AD was healthy right now, I wouldn't even look his way. We don't we don't need you. Like you just go come yeah. in and get in the way. We don't need you. I got you. Uh, Andre Drummond for sure. We we could definitely use the rebounding mm-hmm. uh, that comes with an Andre Drummond that he brings. Yeah, in. but Blake Griffin, uh, I don't even. Yeah. We don't even want you over here. <laughs> and, and I really think I really have Boston, like I said, being just as active as anybody trying to get him um, because they get nothing. They got three guys, so they kind of cycle out of mm-hmm. this, the power forward center position, but they, they really get nothing, no productivity whatsoever from the position. So, yeah. So that will definitely be interesting to see. I think the uh, trade deadline is like mid-March this mm-hmm. year. Yep. So, um like I say, Andre Drummond, I don't think he's gonna it's gonna take that long to trade him. But right. Detroit might be holding on to Blake Griffin until after the trade deadline and just figuring out a buyout for him. Right. Um, so now let's talk about Anthony Davis and his Achilles injury that seems to not be major, but mm-hmm. of course it's Anthony Davis and it's a <laughs> Achilles. So they're gonna be real cautious with him. 
So right now they're saying put them on the shelf for two to three weeks, and then we'll come back, we'll look at it again and see how things go from there. Uh, how do you think the time without Anthony Davis is going to affect the Lakers uh, right now and once it comes to the playoff seeding and things of that nature going forward? I think it's going to be very Im- impactful. Uh, to me, the Lakers have a tendency to kind of play down to their talent. A lot of times you kind of see teams that, you know, before tip-off, you're like, oh, yeah, that's an easy, you know, 15-point dub tonight. And then for a quarter, this team is kind of still, you know, hanging around and yeah. it's taking some clutch buckets or whatnot from the Lakers to to beat these teams. So I definitely think it's going, it's going you know, play tremendously um, for the Lakers not having that other starter to, to count on. So um, I think this is going to be probably the worst stretch for the Lakers. I'm not even sure who they who they have coming up. Yeah, uh, I don't have I don't have a calendar on my fridge like you do, uh, with the <laughs> Lakers, but I, I'm I'm willing to bet that it's going to be the roughest uh, stretch they have they have had this season so far uh, without AD. And I can definitely see them slipping um, in the standards for the time that he missed uh, all the way up until when he's playing, you know, with no restrictions once again. And we look at it a little differently. Um, So I do feel like standings-wise, they may fall a spot. Uh, I'd be shocked if they fall, too. Because right now, they're second in the West behind Utah um, by about a game and a half. Mm -hmm. And they have a game up on the Clippers. Mm -hmm. Um, But the next closest thing, they they got four games up on Portland right now. I don't mm-hmm. see Portland being able to close that gap on him. So uh, regardless of how much time he he misses, because of the productivity that we're getting from LeBron James in year 18, which has shocked. Year after year, he keeps shocking us because we're waiting on this uh, regression. And He's shocking y'all. He ain't shocking me. <laughs> I hear you. But he he keeps shocking us year after year. And we're what thirty? You know, we're twenty nine games into this season right now. He hasn't missed one. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been playing pretty high minutes. Uh, if you ask nine out of ten people right now, he's the MVP. Yeah, um, I mean, it's up to some of the highest minutes of of his career, or something like that. And it's because he like he's able to get out there and play him. You know, mm-hmm. like that's. That's the thing. Like, you got him out here after the game saying he don't get tired. It ain't no taking breaks. I'm, I'm yeah. full go, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's odd to see uh, from a 36-year-old in the 18th you know, year in the league. Um, so the way that he's been playing alongside of a better, better role players than what we had last season, uh, I can see a significant jump from Kyle Kuzma of last season to this season which is shocking to me because I felt like he playing alongside of a LeBron James and Anthony Davis, I felt he had reached his peak. He had reached his ceiling. This is as far as he could go playing alongside those two guys. Um, but we've seen more from him this season. Taylor Horton Tucker, he's made a, a, a an extreme jump from his rookie season to now, and he's actually being able to be counted on and, and really contribute. Dennis Schroeder has been our best addition so far, in my opinion. Uh, he's going out there. He's not afraid to to attack the bucket. He's not afraid to score. He wants to be out there. He wants to take his chances. Um, Montrezl Harrell, I think, I meant to go look at it last night because I was like, man, every time I look at a box score, Montrezl Harrell has 17 points. He got to mm-hmm. be averaging 17 this year. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So he's he's repeating what he was giving the Clippers last year. He's I back think in shape. I think there's enough around LeBron, even more so than last season, um, to keep them afloat for however long uh, Anthony Davis may miss just because everybody around him is playing better basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I feel like the I feel like the only addition that I don't really feel like we get much out of right now is Wesley Matthews. And he started out having a pretty good season, then he got hurt. So since he's been back from injury, he hasn't really been giving us anything. But everything else we've added this offseason has really attributed to us being a better team than what we were last year. And I think I think a team last year, it couldn't have been just LeBron or it couldn't have been just AD for a, a 10-game stretch or more, and we would have been fine. But I think this season we'll be able to, to conquer that. Yeah, and I I see your point. Uh, for his uh, basketball, I have these guys that my role players who are playing uh, phenomenal. They've been very impactful and all that good stuff. But removing AD off the floor, uh, it goes both ways because his IQ for one, none of those guys can match. Uh, at no point in the game you can run your offense through any one of those guys that that you you call. So well, from a basketball, Schroeder, you already run your offense through Schroeder. That's somebody you run your offense through on a regular basis already. It's a huge difference in in Dennis being trusted to run the offense, uh, to distribute, and all those things. So what I'm saying is control the game in AD. Once the ball reaches the block, the play's done. This guy's going to get a bucket. Uh, to me, that's that's a big that's a big adjustment. And then he's the only guy on the floor uh, defensively that uh, is still playing um, good D at this point. Uh, like you said, Montrez has been getting work because they've been using him down low a whole a whole lot. A whole you know, mm-hmm. and he's getting beat up and he's uh, undersized. But a D defense to me has been right where it's always been, which is you know some of the best in the NBA. You're definitely missing that once you uh, once you don't have AD anymore on the floor. Yeah, defensively, I definitely agree. You're gonna take a hit there uh, defensively mm-hmm. without having Anthony Davis on the floor. But once again, it's a, it's a absolutely something that you can't overcome, and I I don't think that that's the case. Um, and then the fact that AD before this injury, AD hadn't been playing great anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, no. he, he's been there, mm-hmm. but he hasn't been playing great uh, thus far yeah. this season. To begin with, so I think I think him getting his time off is probably what's best for him. Probably so. <laughs> honestly, yep. at this point, and then like I say, I think I think we'll really be able to overcome it. Honestly, yeah, and you can definitely overcome this situation. I mean, you got LeBron James on your team, so you could definitely overcome it. Mm-hmm. However, I'm saying I'm willing to bet that this is going to be the worst Lakers basketball that we've seen. That that's what I think. I think we're about to see uh, some of the worst. Lakers basketball, and it may still be good basketball, but I'm just yeah. saying I think you guys are, are more vulnerable now than you've ever been throughout the year so far. And I'm just looking at it as maybe so, maybe we do see the worst basketball that we've played thus far. Um, but what I care about and what I'm concerned about is honestly the wins and losses, the standings mm. at this point. And I, once again, I don't think we go on a stretch to where we're giving up a four game difference between us and Portland or Uh us in Phoenix, you know? Uh, Mm -hmm. So I think, like I said, I think at worst case scenario, uh, Anthony Davis returns and with a third seed instead of the the number two seed. Yeah, I got you. 
Um, I mean, that's really it for today. Something that shocked me that I looked up and saw the other day uh, was the fact that Utah is the number one seed in the West. Uh, that was something that definitely caught me off guard because Utah isn't a team that most people out here paid attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it definitely shocked me that they were sitting at 23-5 and five at this point in the season. Mm-hmm. How much more longer that's going to last, who knows. But, yeah. yeah, that was definitely shocking for me to see. And, um, yeah, the fact that everybody in the East is already at 10 losses or more <laughs> is, is back to what the East used to be. <laughs> Once you get to the fifth seed and they sitting at 500 and everybody under that is, you know, under 500. So that's, that's wild, man. But I would say the NFL is dying down for this little moment. It's going to be picking back up in what, three weeks or so. Yeah. Uh, but the transactions, like I say, they got a lot of teams right now that just got to free up money in order to do mm-hmm. anything for free agency. So there's a lot of transactions that's going to start kicking off there. And then with the NBA, man, we, we just getting to, a quarter into that season. So that that there's been some really good games. I know uh Phoenix uh who was it? Phoenix and Brooklyn last night. Yeah. Uh, Brooklyn didn't have Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving and James mm-hmm. Harden led them to coming back from being down twenty four yeah. uh to take that victory. So there's definitely some good games being played. Uh today Rocket Rocket Sixers play. Uh so that should be a good game as well. Um, but we should definitely be tackling a lot more NBA over the next few weeks uh, just because we're going to continue to tackle our NFL team each week as well. But NBA talk is definitely going to going to peak over the next few weeks uh, as we wait the start of free agency in the NFL. Yeah. And I just want to add out that, man, the Saints are so far behind with the cap that once we get the rocking and rolling, Lord, man, it's like <laughs> it's gonna be something crazy because we got a long way to go to get on the positive side of the cap. Yeah, and like I say, man, those those couple of moves we made last week that gained us thirty million dollars right there. That's so that's we got that's about that's sixty more to go. <laughs> just to be in the clear. Yeah, just just to be in the clear. <laughs> we got about sixty more to go, and still got to figure things out uh, from there. But as me and you talked about off air, we expect some. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore, Ryan Ramchick to be the first ones to get to get extended, and yeah. uh, those be things to help with the cap. So we just waiting on that bar to drop, because uh, once it does, it, it's gonna be deal after deal after deal being extended, restructured, uh, in order for them to get into the clear. So we're definitely waiting on that to come. Um, but that is it for today. This was a pretty short one than what we usually end up arriving at so that's always a, a good thing for our listeners i'm sure so there's one in history today <laughs> so uh yeah that's it for today man we'll get back with y'all next week with another nfl team um and some more nba talk honestly Yes, sir. We appreciate y'all for checking us out, man. Y'all be safe out there. I'm in the league. You boys not in my league. If you listen close, I'm coaching. Say keys to the boy. Hella dope without pushing a Blanco. Still stabbing bitches like 94 in the Bronco. If it's about the money, I'm leaving them hoes pronto. If I don't do nothing, I'm about Blanco.